Welcome back to Innovation Alchemy with the Adams. I'm Adam Fry. And I'm Adam Castle. And would you believe it? We actually have a podcast. It's unbelievable. Two years it's been since the last time we sat in this room together. And did this. It just felt right though, didn't it? Oh my goodness. It, it was, was nice so to beautiful be back. to be back. Yep. It felt good. Unreal. And you know, we had a great guest today. We had a fantastic guest. We had Diana Goodwin join us. Now, Diana is this amazing, award-winning entrepreneur of two incredible startups, both MarketBox and Aquamobile, and she gave us oh so my goodness. many good nuggets Un- during this conversation. So much to unpack Jay-Pak. here. I mean, in this in this conversation that we've got with Diana, she talked about her journey. She talked talked about bootstrapping versus fundraising, mm-hmm. how she manages her time, how she actually assesses the value of the things that her teams are giving her. It, it was really chock full of a lot of stuff. I don't want to oversell this, but listening to the conversation and being a part of it, being a part of it yeah. may have changed my life. Oh, <laughs> it may have changed my life. I think it changed your life. Always does. I'm going to assume it changed Diana's life as well. And and the hope here is that it it gives you some incredible resources to move your life along to here, listeners. Good so, point. Check out the toolbox after. There's chock full of stuff. Now, that's not all. You don't just get no, Diana Goodwin not. on this podcast. Not. Two years ago, we reached out to an amazing artist, one of the most incredible we have in this region, Chrissy Cochran. Who, Wonderful voice. I don't want to oversell this either, but she may be the songbird of her generation. <laughs> now, she agreed to let us borrow one of her songs. So the song that you listened to at the start of this episode and the song you're about to hear right now, Brother, She's Gone, is one of her latest singles, and it is blowing up all across Spotify, and you get to check it out here on the podcast. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Chrissy Cochran, and I'm a pop soul singer-songwriter from Windsor, Ontario. You can hear all of my music, including this song, Brother, She's Gone, on all streaming platforms and at chrissycochran.com. We're living in a world without end. They tell our stories to forever. We've got no secrets everyone welcome back to a long overdue overdue. edition well overdue to innovation alchemy with the adams we're so incredibly lucky today to be welcoming in diana goodwin with us diana thank you so much for being here yeah thanks for having me guys i'm happy to be here we're so excited to have our conversation with you today and of course you're coming in march for an ask me anything with all of our portfolio and we can't wait for that as well we want to know a lot more about who you are. Uh, all of our clients are looking forward to sort of diving into things with you as well. Um, so let's sort of start with with your journey. How how has your uh, journey been shaped uh, as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think I got a bit of an early start into the entrepreneurial uh, world. Um, not like I came from a family of entrepreneurs, but as a kid, I was always trying to start businesses. So I oh, cool. would uh, take my parents' old stuff and you know start a garage sale okay. or a candy stand or, you know, it was always something trying to start a newspaper at school. Um, so I was always looking for something creative to do and a way to make money, I guess, um, as a kid, um, so that I could go spend it on things. <laughs> and, um, so I think for me, like I kind of had that inclination towards, you know, creating things, being an entrepreneur, 
uh, from a young age. Um, when it kind of started taking off in a more professional way, I guess, was when, you know, uh, there was a summer company grant that the Ontario government was doing when I was 19 years old. That's and awesome. um, Maybe, yeah, we, we have actually, clients that yeah. have, have gotten their start in yeah. that exact same way and are now doing amazing things too. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So it, it's funny. So what it was basically, and I think maybe it's probably similar today, but it was a $3,000 grant where they would give you $1,500 to start a business and you can put it towards different expenses. And then you would get another $1,500 at the end of the summer if you actually finished the business. And so I said, well, this is a, it was a low risk way to start a business. Cause my other option at that point was, you know, I was a, I was trained as a lifeguard and as a swim instructor. And so I could work at a local community pool or, you know, I, I was like, well, I mean, this is very low risk. All I need to do is get a few clients and like, I'm, I'm, you know, going to be just as well off. And I'm, I've got this backup if a $1,500 at the end of the summer, if I totally messed it up. So it was really, really great. I liked how they positioned that and they gave you some sort of incentive for, Hey, just stick it out that you've tried. You've stuck through the whole summer, no matter what the results are, we're still going to make sure that you've got something, you know, to go back to school with, you know, so you're not empty. What was that early business, Diana? What was that? So out of curiosity, what was yeah, that well, company business? Yeah, well, it was called Swim for Life Aquatics. And so I, what I did basically is I said, well, in, you know, instead of teaching groups of kids at the community center pool, where there was six, eight, 10 kids, every 30 minutes that I was trying to coach, uh, I said, I see that there's a couple kids in every class that are struggling and it's only because it's in a large class format. If they had one-on-one -on -one time with me or with another instructor, they would be so much better off. And not just that, their confidence would be like, you know, way higher. Yeah, and they get really the opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with you, right? Oh yeah. And it just really knocks you as a child or anything, right? If we're seeing everyone else, you know, doing better at us than something, you start to think what's wrong with me. It hits yep. your confidence yeah. in all parts of life. Um, and so, you know, I really wanted to try and tackle that. And so uh, Swim for Life Aquatics, basically, I would go to people's pools or they could also come to my pool. I was lucky enough to have a pool growing up. And so that's what it was. It was more private format lessons. And um, so I, I just kind of, it was a taste of it, right? Like I, it mm, wasn't this yep. massive business, but I got to experiment with a couple marketing things, you know, like building a website back then. It wasn't as easy mm. as it is now. I can tell you not that. The same. No, not, not the same. same. Back in yeah. our day, we used to have to do a lot more work, right? Like, <laughs> Even getting business cards, right? Like in terms of advertising, just to put it in context for everyone, we didn't have the digital methods that people have today, yeah. uh, which we can get into uh, later. But yeah. you know, it was putting an ad in a newspaper and hoping people see <laughs> your ad and that it's effective, um, going door to door with flyers. It was very grassroots and even the website, right? I mean, it many businesses back then didn't necessarily have no, websites. They, weren't, they right. weren't even thinking about that as, as something that needed to happen, right? Exactly. Yeah. So times have changed now, you know, every, you know, everyone, I think realizes, or most businesses realize that that's a huge way to reach out to people. Yeah. Of course. Um, so, you know, from there, basically I, did my undergrad in, in uh, business I, at U University of Toronto. Mm -hmm. I went down a traditional management consulting path where I worked at Bain and Company for a few years, but I still kind of had this side business where I was having other swim instructors teach the lessons. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, just a couple. Uh, and I was only spending a couple hours, um, you know, a week 
on my side hustle, which was, you know, swimming for life aquatics. And I realized though, how much more I enjoyed that and seeing something grow and something Mm. that I was creating myself versus working for other companies. And um, that's where I decided to do my MBA um, in the in the states. I was always that's the path actually when you're going to be a management consultant is to go and do your M- MBA. But I used that year to totally revamp my business. I rebranded it to Aquamobile. I made it much more professional, business plan, market research, all st- much more strategic um, because I knew I wanted to go into the U.S. market. That was okay. my big thing. I, I wanted to take it beyond just the greater Toronto area, which is what it was as Swim for Life Aquatics. And from there, after I graduated from my MBA, I did that full time. I I just I ran Aquamobile and was growing Aquamobile. Um, and that, I guess, takes us I can dive into that stuff. I don't want to bore everyone with all of the details. <laughs> no, we promise too. you it's not boring. <laughs> okay. Well, let me know. I can always dive deeper onto certain things, but you know, there were many things I, you know, I bootstrapped Aquamobile, grew that. Um, and then several years ago, something interesting started to happen. Um, other businesses started to approach Aquamobile for, um, say, Hey, the, your registration site, your website, who made that? Where can I get that? I need that for my business. And the funny thing is it was a system, a software system that we developed in-house at Aquamobile, um, really because we couldn't find an off- yeah, out of it. It wasn't there. Yeah. No, no. Aquamobile was not meant to be like a tech company, right? It was meant yeah, to yeah. be a company that provided an actual service that was tech enabled, that technology would help. And with right. that technology, that's what enabled us to grow from, you know, Toronto to all across Canada, the US and even enter into Australia. Without that technology that we customized, we would not be able to have that expansion. Um, and it was just a unique software. So the, I think- so the interesting. Big- it's like, almost, it's close to being that story of even MailChimp as well, where it's, you know, it's an internal it tool that's created. Yeah. And then it ends up being something that other people start to look at as, as an industry leader too. Yeah. Well, I think even Toby at Shopify, right? Yeah. I mean, Shopify yeah, exactly. would definitely yeah. argue that's the case. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, that was it. It was, um, you know, it was built out of necessity to help us grow and, what was unique about it, and keep in mind this is pre like many years pre pandemic, but we had an e commerce interface for our service business so that customers could go online, enter in their home address. Because remember, the instructors are traveling to the homes, right. so they could enter in their home addresses. They could then see all of the instructors that were willing to travel to their location, see availability, specialties, bios, and then book and pay. So it was a, a unique e commerce flow for service businesses with mobile workforces. And that was combined with uh, the ability to um, have travel zones, travel time, a bunch of logistics features that most other scheduling or service business software don't address. Mm -hmm. They could, they're more focused on physical locations only. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's all these businesses that send service providers to clients' homes or business locations and are traveling, and there was nothing really to address that e-commerce side. And so these businesses were dealing with a ton of manual labor, trying to, you know, they get in a request and they could spend days going back and forth with a customer and with the like their service providers trying to find a match and route them in. And absolutely yeah. the nightmare, absolutely yeah, nightmare, it slows everything down. Yeah, it's yeah. no longer a scalable business model. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the thing. I mean, that's actually 
you know, one of the, the beauties of, so this new business is called market box that we split mm. the technology out of, of Aquamobile. I should start with that part first. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. let's not jump ahead yeah. here because all these folks are now ahead. coming to you for this technology. And so you were yeah. able to so, then. Yes. We had businesses like um, in-home music teachers or in-home tutoring, mm. in-home mm. personal trainers, all of these um, different kind of use cases started coming up. And so it was, kind of the light bulb went off and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, this is, I've been looking for a way where I can share my knowledge more. Cause I was starting to feel professionally not as fulfilled with Aquamobile anymore. Cause I felt like, I, I felt like I kind of stagnated in my, in my, um, I guess, evolution in terms of yeah. growth. Is, is that, and I don't mean to derail us too much to go down there, but did you find that that's the shift from like founder to CEO? Like, you know, that, that change in sort of mindset happens, or at least in work perhaps happens. I think, I think it was a different shift for me. I think it was just feeling like I wasn't able, like I wasn't growing as much personally as I, as I wanted. And I gained all of this knowledge and it was just kind of being applied to Aquamobile. Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt like whether I was spending 5% of my time on Aquamobile or a hundred percent, like it, it wasn't going to, like, it was still going to, yeah. You would still sort of reach a peak at what you were going to get out of that business on a personal level. On a per, yeah, exactly. And like, that's a huge part, right? Like it's that for me, personal growth is huge. If I'm not growing and constantly learning, I'm, I'm, I feel stagnant and and that I'm going backwards. And so I was like, okay, this is the way that I can share all my knowledge through the technology. Cause I've, a lot of my learnings of growing the business of Aquamobile, I've then kind of implanted into the software to help businesses. Cause I know, okay, Hey, when you reach this level, this is a challenge you're going to face. And this is how we can address it with technology. Mm-hmm. And giving all of that to them before they even realize it's a problem um, or just even showing them what's possible with technology. Like, I didn't even think that you could do something like that. that, right. that was yeah. Just yeah. mind blowing these aha yeah. moments for these folks. And of course, you weren't the only one that realized there was this huge opportunity in MarketBox and delivering those types of tools to other businesses. Uh, you ended up taking on investment for this particular business. So a big difference from what you did with Aquamobile. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew. So. The thing is, I knew that going forward, so I started pulling myself out of the day-to-day operations of, mm-hmm. of Aquamobile to prepare for this transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, so that meant making sure I had the right team members in place, that everyone was kind of doing doing what they needed to do so I could just kind of focus on like the strategic stuff. So maybe this is mm-hmm. more out of what you were saying about that kind of transition. That shift. Yeah, exactly, to true CEO Um, so pulled myself, um, out of that, started looking for, um, you know, CTO co-founder type person, someone who, um, you know, could help build out the technology and, and then also, um, investors as well, because I knew that with MarketBox, there's, they're very different businesses, right? Um, without the technology built first, you cannot, you cannot make money off of market box. Right. Like, yeah, the right. tech is your product versus the service yeah. is your product. The tech is the sort of the logistics. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I did go and I said, you know, there's these companies asking for this now, are they willing to put their money towards yep. it? Like they say they are. So I, I had a, a, you know, a, several companies that had signed contracts um, saying that they would do that, including Aquamobile. Aquamobile is now a customer of, of market box as mm-hmm. well. Um, and so there were several companies that said, yes, here's the deposit, you know, for when the software is ready. So I had that. So I could go to investors and say, Hey, this isn't just a hunch I have, there is this gap. Here are examples of companies that, 
MarketBox is going to be able to help. They've even given deposits and signed contracts. Mm -hmm. And here's a few other LOIs. I also had some LOIs of people as well who said, yeah, when it's built, um, we're good. Yeah. Would join. And maybe give people just a real quick overview of MarketBox, like what, what your hypothesis was when you were selling. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's changed a little bit, right? Yep. Cause at the time, so this is now just pre pandemic. So 2019, um, the, how I was positioning it was I might've actually still been positioning it as Shopify for service. Oh, I love okay. that. I love but, that. Well, you have to sometimes use a larger company, especially Mm -hmm, in the early days to help people frame it immediately. Um, But really what we were targeting, the niche we were saying we were going after from day one was service businesses with mobile workforces. Okay. So, um, and, and we were going, you know, for better or for worse, we were going to be, you know, we, our software could service a number of different verticals. Um, from tutoring, kids lessons, swimming, plumbers. But you know, even though we, we knew all of that, uh, we were going to be you know, focusing on, you know, we picked out several that we would go after first in the mm-hmm. early days. Um, so that was what it was, but <laughs> pandemic hit, if you guys know, and no one, <laughs> yeah. no one yeah. was going anywhere. No one no, was traveling anywhere for <laughs> services. So early on, so early in 2020, we did say, okay, well, let's build out a Zoom integration then so that businesses can still earn some revenue and we can still also go and sell to people, right? Um, and so we kind of started becoming this hybrid option where we, ha- you know, where we can have different revenue streams for service businesses. So we're, we are still obviously very strong in the mobile workforce, but we have companies like online tutoring companies that only do online. And what they really like is that we've got that e-commerce flow, but we also have scalability and can handle hundreds of service providers in different locations. Cause that's another thing, the scheduling tools that are out there, they really kind of fall apart at like 10, maybe 20 service providers. Like it starts to get clunky. It gets really clunky. Yeah. (laughs) Because of the way we designed our system, we when we, we do, we have sole operators on our system, but we, we become more and more powerful when we can, you know, with bigger companies as well. Um, and so, so we started getting all of these, and we're still getting it. And it's a, it's a challenge, it's a challenge in that, you know, you got to make sure you don't bite off more than you can chew. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have companies that will even come to us and, and who will sign up to use us maybe for the mobile, because we'd handle mobile services. And then they say, Hey, We've got this other part of our business where we handle group lessons instead of the one-to-one lessons. Can you help us with that as well? We just want to move everything over onto you. <laughs> so, That's awesome. So the salesperson in you is like, of course, and your product team's like, leave me alone, Diana. We are so well, swapped. Luckily, I mean, our system, so what we've done, I mean, so yeah, it's I've I kind of manage like what goes into the into the the product. And I know we there's only so many things you can handle. Um, you know, we are we're not, it's not like we've been around 10 years and we've reached our product maturity the way right. some others have. Um so it's it's really kind of picking which ones uh we think can help will kind of add more to sales um, versus others and and we'll apply to more more types of companies Um, and so that's kind of how we we look for that feedback coming in from when we're doing demos or customer Mm -hmm. requests Mm -hmm. and we will we'll then kind of decide from there okay this is what we thought our roadmap should be and if we need to kind of switch things around how can it actually uh, go 
I'm, yeah. I'm insanely curious, uh, Diana, I know Adam is as well, because this is something we talk about a lot with a lot of our, our companies. And I'm sure this will be something you'll talk with them about too, because they'll have this question for you. But you know, you're in a unique scenario where you bootstrapped one company, and then you financed the other fundraised for the other. So something Castle and I are really excited about to ask you is like, what's the difference? What was the big difference for you? Like, mm-hmm. how did what were the experiences like growing those companies, one with a group of investors, one bootstrap like can you maybe highlight some of those things for 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 the folks at home yeah and I I think it's it's worth noting the reason that I I chose to bootstrap Aquamobile it because keep in mind Aquamobile is also the type of business where it was possible to make sales without having this massive technology platform I have seen a lot of entrepreneurs that kind of get hung up on that and think they have to build this massive thing before selling anything but this was the type of business that you can do manual, manual processes um, and still make sales. So you can see what's working and what's not. So um, that's why I chose that route for Aquamobile. And I I have no regrets about that being the the right path for that. Um, And again, with MarketBox, because it's more tech heavy up front, like I knew I, I, there needed to be some capital output. So yeah, different approaches. Um, I would say I haven't gone the full yet. I have not gone the full VC route yet with MarketBox. Um, I've chosen to kind of, I guess, go for trusted entrepreneur, like trusted angel investors, trusted yep. people okay. in the ecosystem that I knew would be good cheerleaders and just send positive energy towards yeah. MarketBox while we're kind of, you know, figuring things out and learning in the early days. And so, you know, we've got great people like Mike Katchen from Wealth Simple is an investor, um, you know, uh, Andrew McDonald, who's an SVP at Uber. Alyssa Furtado from Rate Hub. So we've got just some great people um, from from the area who have, you know, come forward and said, hey, we want to, we, we believe so in awesome. you, we yeah. want to support you. And that was, that was um, one of the things, like I, when I was going and talking to maybe larger format investors, I'll call them, I just, it, for me, it wasn't resonating that the time was right to go and do that and to go and, um, you know, give up, 25% of market box from day one to have that, to have a larger chunk. I just, um, it just wasn't resonating with me. And so I had to listen to myself because I'm, I'm sure a lot of your founders go through this as well. Everyone says there is this path. Yeah, if you yeah. want to fundraise, there's this path and this is the only path. Um, and I think listening to what feels right to you is really, uh, is really important. Um, and so I'm not opposed to VC at all. I, you know, I just want to make sure the timing is right for it. That, you know, because I've seen too many founders go into that too early before they have mm. things figured out. And so they're, you know, sometimes in some cases, they're pressured to spend money in ways that they're not ready to, and they have to keep, you know, they're left keep with up. nothing. Yeah. My question, I've got two questions for you. So how, in those early days, when you're looking for those angels, um, what, what was it about, like, how did you go about finding these folks? What were those early conversations like? Like, how did you go about finding these folks to be a part of this journey with you? Because I know, um, you know, in some of these ecosystems that are a little bit earlier, those angels can be in hiding, you know what I mean? So it's a matter of like, how did you go in and start those? And what were those early dialogues like? Yeah, I started straight from my network. Um, I started right there. Um, I used a combination of 
you know, an email out to certain people in my network. Sometimes it was a one-to-one letting them know. Sometimes it was, you know, out to a few people. And I would say, Hey, I would, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've got this traction after I tell them the transition from Aquamobile mm-hmm. to MarketBox. Uh, I said, if you're interested, or if you know anyone that's interested, like would love to talk. And so then there'd be, re- you know, responses back, you know, yes, no, whatever. And, and kind of go from there. Some people, um, just want to have a conversation. They don't mm-hmm. care about seeing a deck. Some people are like super, like they want to see the this deck. This is my and they're process. Like, yeah. And they're yeah. Here's my executive summary. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And, and some people are like, oh, I would move slide eight to slide nine. I'm like, okay, that's big picture here. Are you dealing with yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not looking to move my deck <laughs> yeah. around here. I just need yeah, to know yeah. if you've got money for me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I, and so that was kind of it. And I feel like the people who just kind of believed in me, they were the ones that were kind of like, yeah, um, immediately. Um, and then you get some people that kind of drag it on and, you know, they just kind of, they, they don't say yes or no. And, you know, you kind of learn that if they haven't said, if they haven't said yes, then it's a no. And you shouldn't be put, right. you probably shouldn't be putting a ton of energy in. in That's those a great. People. That's a great nugget. Yeah. That's an awesome. Nugget. I love too, that you sort of took the approach of it was relationship first. It was, you know, developing out those relationships. The money is super important, but you, you brought people together, those angels together that are really experienced entrepreneurs. They've been there and they've done that. I'm curious as well to, to see what does your aftercare look like now that you have these investors on board? How are you interacting with them to keep them happy and engaged on a regular basis? Yeah. And I would say, I will admit, I am not the best at that in terms of the regular updates. So what I do is I keep them on our, like our product updates on MarketBox. Yep. So I know they're always getting those updates when we're pushing things live. Um, it depends on the investor because I've got some that are smaller and then I've got some that have written bigger checks of a hundred thousand and are um, have kind of stepped up and said, Hey, I'm willing to kind of like, just even be an advisor for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so there's some, like, I would say a good chunk of the investment dollars, those ones I'm in fairly regular contact with, cause they'll also kind of act as advisor. I'll bounce an idea off of them. I, I'll say, Hey, I've got this potential massive customer. Am I thinking about this the right way when I'm tackling it? Right. So they're pretty up to date. Some of the, the smaller, smaller ones, I haven't been, I'll, I'll admit, I, mean to get into a regular monthly cadence where I'm, I'm writing things down and uh, it's a bit of a block for me. We all have our blocks. I will fully admit that I have not, um, I have not been as diligent as I should, but that is, you know, when I'm perfectly following my process, that is actually what I, I should be doing (laughs) kind of little monthly um, these little monthly things. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so people kind of have gotten kind of more informal updates from me, like where we'll be chatting or texting and, you know, I'll kind of get on the phone and tell them what's up, but really I, that's something I've, I've kind of, you know, always strive to get into that regular. Yeah. I am not unfortunately one of those founders, at least at this point in my evolution, where <laughs> I'm sending out on January 1st, February 1st, the update. I, I wish I could say I, I am, but I am, I am yeah. not. That's okay. It sounds like, you know, you're, you're doing what's, what works for the group of investors that you have, you know, and you yep. sort of tailored your, your tailored your approach to each and every one of them differently. So uh, it's obviously working <laughs> to some degree. Yeah, I mean, going forward, like I think as, as more money comes into yeah. it, and even I think as a company, things we are now also in our evolution, getting to a point where there is more structured kind of quantitative things I can mm-hmm. share where for in the earlier days, like there wasn't a lot of that we were building things and then pandemic yeah. hit and like everything, you know, took longer than expected, um, even to build things. So 
now we're starting to get into something where it probably is like easier for me to kind of yeah exactly doing less things as well now right or like at least wearing less hats yeah yeah that's been really helpful yeah where are those gaps right yeah that's been really helpful because yeah in the early days I mean I know um we've even had sessions with some of the entrepreneurs at at WeTech just being you know stretched across so many Mm. things it can be challenging and you know especially when bootstrapping it's there's there's pros and cons right when you are bootstrapping you are more kind of in control you've got a bit more of that freedom but at the same time if you're not kind of hitting these certain growth numbers you're stretched and you're doing everything especially in the early days um and that could pay off in a good in a in a good way down the road but i mean it's you know it's a balance and you have to kind of figure out what works for you what works for what type of business you have that's going to play a large part in in kind of what you do, but yeah, but that's, that's been helpful for market box is kind of, we're past that point where now, you know, in the early days I was doing all of the selling, right? So now so this is, this is great. I was really hoping you'd allude to this because I, I want to talk about this for a minute. And I think it's a good little segue mm-hmm. into the next topic we're looking for anyways, from you, Diana, which is, you know, how important was it? And maybe I can frame it this way. We talk to our clients all the time here about the importance of those first sales being the founder, making those sales understanding the process, understanding the customer pain, and then going through and actually signing them to a deal being so critical. And we know a lot of our, particularly our technical founders, I would Mm -hmm. say it's fair to say they're pretty shy about this, gun shy about it, where they'd rather go hire somebody. And and we have so many Mm -hmm. clients who we've seen be burned by this process of going out and hiring these sharks, right? That promise the world in sales. And so I was wondering if maybe you could talk a little bit about the importance of those early sales being from the founder, particularly, and then maybe we can get into some of those growth tactics and some of the things that you've used. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, as I already mentioned, I was the one doing all of the sales early on. Um, We had put in the early days, most of the resources towards building out the product. Um, So I was kind of doing everything else, essentially. Um, And I think why it works so well when you're a founder is just because even if you are not, like you didn't grow up in sales positions, which most of us don't, I never had a formal sales position. Um, but the passion comes out so much more. You can just sell, like, you know, your product, you know, what you're trying to achieve much more than someone else, a salesperson, it's going to take them, you know, several months, most likely to kind of get into that, that groove of, of being able to sell. And, and there's also something powerful about it coming from, from the founder. Right. And people like liking to hear that in the early days. And I will also say that challenge with the sales hire. I even have friends that are CEOs of companies that are doing, you know, $5 million of revenue and have raised massive VC rounds. And still they will spend big money on a salesperson, like a VP sales or whoever. And they're disappointed in the performance of the VP sales. And they're like, I'm the CEO and I'm still the one who's having to go in there and close the sales. What gives? And these are series A, series B, like these are not small companies. And um, so it's an ongoing challenge. So it's so powerful and you learn so much. So I use that time. If we want to get into some tactics here, I use that time to build out our processes um, and learn what works like, okay, so this email template seems to get attention. Great. I'm going to use that, put it into HubSpot, 
right? Because we took advantage. Um, HubSpot is is great in the sense we that- We love HubSpot, I don't, by I don't the way. Like we are, yeah, we, we, we have a referral link, change. HubSpot. Do you want to give the Adams and I referral links here? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Sure, we sure. like we yeah. genuinely probably we send brag, them on. But we're, a, we're a gold referral We partner, are a gold so. referral oh, partner already, okay. so you're preaching to the choir. I mean, look, they've, they've got really smart pricing model where they'll give founders and startups 90% off on the first year. So they become, they, so they take pricing out of the equation from, you know, from Start, at least yeah, they the give you the year. tools first. Right. And then they say, now we'll extract <laughs> yeah. some value, which is, you know, it's that flywheel method that they're yeah. so great at. Yeah. But I encourage all, all, um, all startup founders to negotiate your rates with all of your software whether it's yeah, or anyone absolutely. else. Great time. Um, just because they say the price goes up, you know. Yeah, you never know. Now is the perfect time to take a break. I think. I think so too. That was a lot to unpack. Now on the other side, make sure you tune in back with us here as we continue the conversation with Diana Goodwin. See you in a minute. Da, 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 da. You know, did you have a burning question that you really wanted to ask Diana that we didn't get to today? I did. Or maybe have a topic that you'd love to bring up to her. I do. Well, you're in luck. Today's conversation is not the only conversation that we're going to get to have with Diana Goodwin. Gasp. In March, we're going to be bringing Diana back down for an AMA with all of our WeTech clients where you'll be able to ask any of those burning questions that we might have missed today. So if you get a chance and you really want to learn a little bit more from Diana, I do. sign up. Become a client today with WeTech and then join us with the AMA in March. And we're back from commercial break. And I got to say, I don't know who recorded that last commercial, but what a smooth, velvety voice they had. Spoiler alert. It was us. Oh my goodness. Well, we're back talking with Diana Goodwin. We're gonna dive right in. I wanna I wanna hit one more point on that that sales piece uh, too that I, that I think is important for our founders to keep in mind at, at home is like even when you go to hire that first person, if you've lived it and you've done it, you can help that salesperson skip those steps too, right? Like yeah, you can yeah. have a little bit of a playbook, a little bit exactly. of like, so the content that works, customer sure. profiles. <laughs> I think, yeah. And I do want to share my sales experience with Marketbox because I think it's really important. Um, so yeah, so for me, so first of all, I also went to, um, you know, shout out to, uh, you know, my friend Ron over at Hi Mama and a couple other founders that shared their sales playbooks with me confidentially so that mm. I could kind of see what other people are doing. Right. Mm. That was really helpful. Um, so I, I kind of had some idea, okay, here, like sequences in HubSpot, let's use that. And then, um, you know, you can even Google great like sales tactics or subject lines and, and pick what you think is going to resonate with your audience. Um, so I started kind of building that out um, and putting, you know, X number of business days between all of that stuff was in there. So yeah, when my salesperson, my first sales hire um, did come over, um, he had something to work with. I'm like, Hey, here's templates. Here's I'm getting yeah. 22% response rate back from these. That's really freaking high go for it. Here's how I would adjust it because you're not the founder. So tweak the wording over yeah. here, whatever. Um, that's that's what I did basically. Um, but here's the important thing that I, I want to mention. So there's two things. So first of all, it took me um, a number of months to like finding the first salesperson is really tough for the reasons we've just discussed, right? No one can sell the product as well as you can. Earlier stage, you're going to have a harder time finding good salespeople um, because 
they good salespeople want to go where they can make commission and you, you are on money. Yeah. Yep. You are unproven at this point. So anyways, it took me a few months to find someone that I thought was worth hiring. Um, and then at that point, like it wasn't working out like the, the person was not, um, even though I, I thought I tested for these things, they were not, I, th- I think they were going through some personal stuff, but they were not doing the groundwork and going and hunting right. for the leads. Gotta I said, do it. Yeah. you need to do the full range. Like we're early days. You knew this, like yeah. got to do the full range. Um, and just wasn't doing it excuses. It was just excuse after excuse. And I'm like, that's not a good culture fit. And so then again, then you, it took some time to find the next person. Mm -hmm. That person was junior, really eager, and then decided they don't like sales. And so they, they didn't want to, they, it was their first job out of university. They're like, sales is not for me. I thought I could do it. And they were good, but didn't like it. And it was like, yeah, it was, was, sales can be tough. All of that rejection. Oh, I think it just wore. So all that to be said, it, it took me kind of like a number of months to get to a a point where I had someone where I was like, yes, like this is now it, we're yeah. rolling. Now we've got it. You've got a great risk. Like you're figuring it out. And it was also really helpful to have um, two different people going at the same time. Yes, yeah. We hear this a lot. This is huge. Advice. I yep. cannot. Un- yeah. And I know it's, it's tough when you are starting, you don't have a ton of money, but that is definitely one area where you will see the results. And even now I was going through with the sales team yesterday and we could see the results from the, the open rates and response rates and, and, and trying to dig in, why is this person not performing as well? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just fascinating. And, and that sales, it can be quantitative and you can learn from the data and, and it's tough, right? Like, dog eat dog, like the top guys keep going on the other, you know, guys, gals, they, you know, move on to other jobs. Cause you know, if you're not seeing results, you can't keep that person on. Yeah, absolutely. How do you, um, Dan, I'm curious, and, and then we can get into a few more of these, these resources and tools you use, but how do you structure your team in terms of communication? Like, how do you ensure your salespeople are most up to date on what's going on with the product? Your marketing team is reflecting what good customers are out there to to attract new ones. Like maybe talk a little bit about your flywheel or if you call it a funnel, whatever, um, just in terms of getting that team to come together cohesion. Yeah, very timely, actually, because as we've been growing, and it literally came up this morning in my all hands team meetings that we have, uh, where so we use Slack as a communication tool. And because we're, we're growing and bringing in new roles that are even newer to the team, um, and people are on different time zones. I, everyone needs to get aligned on Slack in their channels and following the channels because we've made the step to create these channels in Slack. So the sales channel, so we can share updates on, Hey, like, for example, I shared a template that I, you know, here's a template that I tried and like mm-hmm. everyone literally responded to it out of this group. You guys should try this to re-engage old leads, you know, cause we now launched a new booking flow and the design, some people didn't like the old design. So we sent it to them and, and they're like, yes, like I'm interested. Let's, awesome. let's, cool. you know, let's move forward or let's have a free trial. Like it was great. And so here's the template I used, or here's a good article I read. And so posting it, um, keeping everybody up to date. So one on the design team, Slack or sales team. So that's been really good. But the conversation we had to have this morning is everyone make sure you're diligently checking and reading the channels um, because people had kind of missed some messages that were directed to them because they're not, I guess they had notifications turned off for channels or something. So 
it's one thing to set up the processes. It's another to make sure everyone yeah. following accountability, that. right? Exactly. That hard, we had hard to have that conversation that. this morning. So Slack has been huge for us. Um, and I think will continue to be a bigger and bigger thing. I, in the early days when we were smaller, I was like, ah, Slack, it's all right. Why are we doing this? Like I sometimes yeah, feels redundant in the early days. Right. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, okay. Like, but that's only recently where I've started that it's to made sense. now it's really necessary. And like, so, so we're getting a sense of your stack here a little mm-hmm. bit, right? We got HubSpot for sales and probably I imagine a little bit of your marketing because of the unified uh, sort of database that they work off of. You know, we've got Slack for internal communication. What are some of these other resources, tools, growth tactics? Like let's get into the sort of nitty gritty a little bit. Let's give some, some tangible tools here. Yeah. So we, uh, use, we also use something called ahrefs.com. So that is like an SEO type tool. So one of the methods that I used at Aquamobile and, also a tactic using it at Marketbox is content marketing. Mm. It's been a really great way for us to get low, low cost leads mm. to our website. So just to even give you a, like a sense of that, um, for Aquamobile, uh, has massive volume web traffic and 80% of that is all organic. Um, so, so what, give me, give me a specific here. So like the flow for that. So like your team, like, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, cause I'm imagining this, but you know, your, your sales team lands a deal. The client has a really good outcome with it or customer has a really good outcome with it. Is that then turned into this content marketing piece or is it so, more your marketing team coming up with these things? And, and yeah. So, there? so it's kind of like two different strategies. So with Aquamobile, so Aquamobile is a B2C business, business yep, to consumer. Right. Um, so we, and, and operates in all these different cities. So really the tactic over there is, okay, let's make all of these um, city specific landing pages. So that if someone is looking for swimming lessons in Miami, ah, um, you know, they will find our Miami page or if someone localized that, that sort of service for the exactly. space. So we have so thousands of pages like that. Plus then there's kind of content of words. That's kind of the very direct method. Okay. Let's get people who are actually searching these keywords. Um, and then there's the other indirect method, which is, okay, where are our target who are our target customers? So parents and grandparents, and mm-hmm. they're buying for their kids typically. And what articles might they be searching for? Well, maybe they're searching for pool party ideas or snacks for kids online. And we want then one of our blog articles to pop up as one of the top results. And then they see, oh, who's this Aquamobile? Oh, wow, that's really cool. I have a pool. I would love to have an Aquamobile instructor at my house. So there's kind of that method as well. That's um, awesome. But with, uh, yeah, I mean, with Markabox, obviously there, there is not that localized, you know, landing page mod- method to do. That would be awesome, but it's not uh, an option. So instead it's more same type of thing. We, the second method I just mentioned for Aquamobile, we utilize. So who are our target customers and what articles do we think they might be searching on online that they would then find one of our articles? Um, maybe they're looking for how to manage my my contractors or something, mm-hmm. or how yep. to, how to, how to properly do payroll, whatever it is. So those are, you know, if we write content that they then click on our content page and then say, Oh, what's this cool software market box. Yeah. I actually think this could help my business get leads that way. Um, awesome. I'd yeah, like so- to touch a little bit on the process of what that takes to get to an article that is found, that is being sort of, that does get that traction. Cause I imagine for how many that, that are written and put out by your team to actually, actually make it through to, to where that, where it needs to be, how many are actually hitting home? 
Yeah. I mean, so it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. So I think you have to have patience with it and know that Mm -hmm. as your brand gets stronger, uh, you will, um, you will get better results, right? I mean, because Google, when it comes to organic page rankings, it's not just about the article written. If you just launched a website yesterday and published arguably, objectively speaking, the best article on a certain topic, Google is not going to, exactly. Like they don't know who your website is, who is this random web, like you have no credibility on the internet with this brand new website. So there's so many other factors, age of website. Um, Yeah. Are you, have you optimized not just written a great article, but have you then gone and optimized for the right keywords? Have you optimized from a speed point of view? Because Google and the search engines, they look at site speed as an indicator. There are so many factors um, that, that go into it. So, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm lucky that it's something that um, a number of years ago at uh, when I was at Aquamobile um, and starting off Aquamobile, I was considering like hiring an agency to help with this and, a friend of mine, who's also now an investor in Markbox, she said to me, why don't you, I'll just, just take me out for lunch and I'll tell you what to do. It's not, yep. not that hard. And she kind of walked me through it and I did that instead of hiring the agency. So I brought that talent, like kind of that knowledge. I kept mm-hmm. it within Aquamobile and built off of that. And then, so I never did hire an agency. I'm glad the prices were atrocious. I was going to say, it sounds yeah. like the sales side, uh, the agency model is for marketing what hiring the sales shark is on the sales <laughs> side. It's kind of the same concept. Yeah. So what I've done, um, and so so we kind of had a good knowledge base of how to do good content. And then I've, there's a, I would call him like a technical SEO consultant I've worked with for a number of years um, who then will kind of help kind of like up level. So I, I knew I needed help to kind of take it to the next level. I have a great set of knowledge for it, but there's always going to be someone who's better than you and surround yourself with those people. And um, so he kind of helps keep things up to date and says, Hey, here's where, here's where Google is, is trending. Um, and you need to upgrade these pages um, very soon because you will get dinged at some point. So just because your content is great right now and has worked for the past five years, it's not good enough going forward. So you're still Mm -hmm. ahead of the game, but start altering your existing pages now in preparation. So stay ahead of things. Um, Like he even helped Aquamobile's website used to be super, super slow. So he helped the, on the technical side, speed it up. Cause I, I didn't know how to do that part. Yeah. It's unbelievable. The wealth of knowledge you've, you've gained doing these little pieces of building the business, right? It's almost like as a founder, you've gone through, you're like, okay, I got to learn the sales side. Okay. I've learned that. Now we can hire and hand off. I got to learn the marketing side, hire and hand. Now we need more of a technical co-founder. Let's go find that. It's, it's just incredible. The volume that you you've uh, that you've been able to, to acquire. I'm kind of curious, like, where do you decide? How do you decide to put your energy? Like, do you have a matrix? Like, what is it you're using these? (laughs) That's a great question. It's now I, you know, it's, um, it's something that I've kind of had to had to work on over the years as well, right? Because I think I'm a highly capable person, so I can do a lot of things. Um, but is that the best use of my time and mm-hmm. energy? That is the bigger question. And um, so that's something on myself. I've had to, I, I was not always great at that, right? Um, I used to be the type of person that would have to try and fill every single minute, um, of my day. And if there was a, a small gap, I'm like, 
wait, what's wrong? Like <laughs> <laughs> something's wrong. Am I supposed to be doing something else here? Um, and I didn't appreciate it at the time that takes, a that takes a toll on you because you're so used to like getting all of these quick hits of like, yes, I checked off that, checked off like that. Yes, yes. Pretty, yeah. And, and then what happens though, is I, I think sometimes you can get stuck in just staying at the surface level and not going deeper because you've either filled your day with so many other things or you're spread too far that you can't cognitively carve out enough space or mental energy to go and do the deep work that you need. That's actually, mm -hmm. instead of just moving the needle on your business a little bit, you're now going to move it massively by just focusing on like sometimes the strategic vision or where you're, where you're going, how you're going to yeah. communicate certain things. So that's something that, that a lot. Yeah. yeah. And we and, talked about it with our clients too. And yeah. we brought them in for, for scale up as well. That was a big question that they had it was like, how do you actually figure out where you're putting this, this energy? How do you, how do you manage it? But Diana, would you say that you almost have to try all those things first? So now you're at a point where you can decide my energy is better spent on X than Y, but in initial stages, you really had to get that, that foundational knowledge of all the systems in your business, how everything works in order to get to the point you're at now where you can start to decide these things? You know, so it, it depends. So yeah, it, it, it depends. Um, so I would say I, because I chose to bootstrap Aqua Mobile, I kind of almost had to kind of have a bit more of that um, breadth of that wider mm -hmm. scope of knowledge. Um, but even with that, I think it was still, now I'm much better at, pulling myself out of tasks I shouldn't be doing sooner than I would have earlier in my career. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to think how to best describe it. Um, so it's different. I think even depending on what type of company you are scaling, I think it is possible to, um, you know, to bring in experts so that you never have to touch on a certain part of the business. But at the same time, I I do also feel like there's this foundational knowledge that has really benefited me, but I, I think it's different. Like it, I, I want to separate the fact that the some foundational knowledge so that you can have good conversations with your technical team, right. yeah. your, with the pro designers, um, marketing sales, that is super helpful, but it is for me, you can still have all of that and not get stuck into the trap of doing too many things. Right. So I want to make that clear. It's, they're not, they, they shouldn't be like a, a combined thing. I think for me, um, I kind of, you know, in my younger days got, or less mature days in my career, I should say, I got pulled into that, that trap just by my personality, my, how I, you know, what I thought was I should be doing, you know, based on, <laughs> societal norms, what I'd maybe seen where like just hard working, like you should be like, you have to be grinding and grinding. If you're not grinding, you're not earning, yeah. earning the success, you know, that hustle culture hustle that now culture. we're also, you know, aware that from. it's, yeah, it's completely <laughs> toxic. Yeah. And, and now what I've, I think now, like my latest evolution is I've, I've created more mental space. Uh, so I've, I mean, blocked out times for sure to actually think about strategic vision stuff. Um, that's been very helpful, but, yeah. and sticking, staying true to it, like not just putting it in there and let, letting other things take it over. Yeah. You gotta yeah, actually- Oh yeah. It's, that's a really difficult thing to do. Really? Adam's battling yeah. with that yeah. currently. <laughs> Daily today, every minute of every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
and I think, um, but, but yeah, I, I create those times and I cut out the fat. Like I don't, and I, and if I see my team kind of with like, you know, extra fat, like, why are you having this meeting? Do you really need to have meetings that frequently? Like I'm very diligent and sometimes I can L you and say, great. I've got enough information. Thank you. And we're moving on. Right. Like you don't want to fill your brain with all sorts of information that you don't need. So take the information that you need. And then I don't need that extra detail on that. I don't yeah. want to know. I, and I'll say that to be, I don't, I don't want to know, like, I'm good. Thank you. Like, yep. I can't, I can't hold it all in my brain. Like it mm. makes no sense. Like I, Albert Einstein, right. Like he even famously said, you know, he didn't even know his phone number. He's like, why, when I can like, look that right up, why like pollute your brain Fill with all sorts head. of Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah. So, how do you how do you go about selecting those things? You know, you got a couple KPIs per department. Essentially, is that sort of what you're working from? Um, de- depends. Aquamobile and, and MarketBox are both different. It depends. Like sometimes I might like let's just say I ask a question. Hey, what's happening with this sales lead over here? The one that's okay. like this gotcha, gotcha. line, and I don't want the full detailed five minute answer of like conversation. I don't know. Just tell me yeah. like. Red light, yeah. green light, yellow light. <laughs> Where exactly. <are> we <laughs> like, yeah, they'll probably sign next. Like, yeah, I think they'll sign next week or I sent the quota, whatever it is. Don't, I don't need like the details. Um, and so I'll, I'll just kind of try and, and keep it like that and, and, uh, and cut it short. But um, yeah. And I, I try and attend the meetings that I, I think make sense. The ones that don't, I appreciate getting invited to them, but I'll, I'll decline. And mm-hmm. I also just in general, this applies to business and personal, but if it's not a hell yes, it's a no, something doesn't yeah. excite you. Yeah. Um, so I kind of apply that um, to personal life as well, which does then help free up, <laughs> you know, time to do the things that do activate you and do excite you, whether that is work stuff or non-work stuff, whatever it is, but having that additional balance in my life, I found that even if we're speaking on the professional side, it's allowed more flow to happen where, um, I don't, I I just good, just good things kind of are are flowing. It doesn't have to be this, like, like grinding to make it happen. Something Mm -hmm. will happen in its time when it's ready. Other things will come around, um, when it, when it's kind of, um, you don't need to kind of be forcing it to happen. So I'll use a sales example with, so when we're, since we're on sales, um, sometimes maybe you need to let a sale breathe a little bit, um, instead of like, just kind of like every, every two days, every week, you have to kind of feel it, right? Some need those follow-ups, others, you have to let them breathe. And all of the emails and calls in the world is not going to help the situation. They'll get to you when they're ready. And I've had that. I've had leads come back literally a year later, you know, they ignored my last email. I'm like, all right, whatever. I check in every once in a while sometimes. And, and then, and then they come back, Hey, tried to build this in-house didn't work. Uh, We're ready to talk again. Right. So, um, right. I could have spent so much time following up over that, those 12 months. Instead, I just let it breathe and, and Hey, they, they came back around. So no point forcing it. Same with invest, same with fundraising, right? Like what works? Like you can go the method of trying to force and like, and find your investors and go to like, you know, 150 different people or 150 different VCs, mm-hmm. or you can do a more targeted approach. And, yep. you know, so there's different ways to, to tackle every problem in life. <laughs> of course. Absolutely. Do you find that's, that's more of a muscle that you, that you've strengthened over time as you've exercised it? Um, 
in terms of the difference between where you were earlier career versus sort of now being able to throw up boundaries and, um, and do that a lot more sort of unapologetically, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, yeah, I've, I've seen, I mean, I've, I've, maybe also when I was younger, I could do it more without like, but it's, it didn't, but at the end of the day, it didn't serve me. Like when I look back, I'm like, I don't know if that served me. Yeah. Um, I could have still accomplished certain things in a, in a less stressful way. And again, sometimes when you're bootstrapping though, you, there are times where you just have to, you're going to work. You have to sometimes, right. If if you're doing that for many years though, like you have to ask yourself, like think something needs to change here. Yeah. Am I getting somewhere with all of this effort or am I just sort of spinning the wheels on it? Because that's the thing. I've had people that have uh, reported into me in various roles. And I say like, I know your work, like, I know you're, you're working, I just don't think you're working effectively. You're, you're, do, you're not doing the things that are moving the needle. Like that's a common uh, thing I'll talk about is moving the needle. And, um, and you keep prioritizing these little things that aren't priorities and not, and you're forgetting about the big thing um, that could really, so you're not being effective. So I don't, and I tell people, I say, I don't care if you are working, um, if you can accomplish all your work by pressing an easy button and all of your work magically gets completed for the entire week, I don't care what you do with the rest of your time. I really yeah. care about yeah. what output have you done? It's just van. The rest is just vanity, right? I mean, it's, yeah. that's all and, it is. And it makes you feel good. You think yeah. you're, you think you're doing stuff. I used to be like that. I, right. I think a lot of us, it's a challenge type a people. We have that problem. Oh, there's no doubt. Fantastic. Well, Diana, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And we're so excited to come and welcome you back in March and, and talk to you a little bit more about, uh, about your journey. Yeah. Looking forward to it. This is a great conversation and yeah, hopefully the entrepreneurs, founders, they find all of this stuff helpful so that they don't have to go through the same type of painful butting your head against the wall. <laughs> we, we can definitely say we think we think they'll they'll think it's fantastic and, yeah, and it's all stuff that we touched on today it was all things that pain points that we deal with almost daily with our clients so absolutely um i think there's a lot of nuggets and a lot of insights here that you provided that's going to be fantastic for them and uh we're excited i know they're excited to see you back here in march thanks yeah, looking forward to it. all right thank you bye guys bye well that was an absolutely incredible conversation Amazing. It was simply amazing. So many great tools, so many different resources that she mentioned and and so many great strategies. The frameworks that she used, talking about bootstrapping versus fundraising, what that experience was like, building her team up. That was just chock full of info. Yeah. I can't wait to start to implement actually some of this stuff into my own life and and start. uh, Yeah. And if you are looking to implement some of these tools and some of these things into your life, listener, well, you're in luck because our rock star producer, John Mark Vashon has put together all the tools and resources that you heard of in this pod in one spot. That's right. Inside the Alchemy Toolbox, you'll find all of the resources from today's episode, as well as the episodes of years past. Very exciting. Evergreen, some would say. Some would say. Fantastic. Now, where would folks find this podcast if they'd like to, Adam? Well, in order to find the toolbox, you can head to www.wetech-alliance.com for podcasts for every bit of information that you're looking for. Thanks for coming along. Talk to you soon. See you soon. Yeah, she's gone.